Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. Rough week, for sure. We finally, after the last couple of bad weeks, have given back the gains for the year, meaning year-to-date, not the last 12 months. Not exactly rough, but it feels kind of, uh, it does. Like, the market isn't going to do anything. And I, I just, what I've been saying for months now, it just there's no reason to think the market's going to go up or down. Now, we got interest rates super high, inflation still there. JoJo, JoJo the monkey boy, he's just, what do you say? 75% of the country thinks we're going in the wrong direction. I don't think Democrats think JoJo is doing a good job. It's not a political statement. It's a feeling of, uh, if you will, Jimmy Carter malaise. You know, it's America's seen better days. Let me go turn down the thermostat at the White House. You know, it's it's just feels bad and there isn't any reason to think from an economic let's say i can set my feelings aside you know for a moment like i just don't think we can work this way through i mean this jojo's in charge and he's the guy that did afghanistan and he's the guy that 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 threw through massive amounts of money and and he won't stop even though voters are saying you're on the wrong track he he doubles down on stupid yeah nothing can go right china Russia goes on. All true, by the way. Okay, all true. But let's say you set that aside and just look at the economics, right? You say, well, declining earnings, although better than expected by far, combined with high interest rates. And now we have alternatives, right? You can go get treasuries for 5%, short-term treasuries, and get five. It's not zero anymore. There are other alternatives to stocks. Now, in the very long run, inflation adjusted, there are no alternatives to stocks. Maybe real estate, but you know, not as good. But there are no alternatives in the quick, you know, moving money back and forth. And then you also have the higher interest rates affecting real estate. So how long does that affect it? It's kind of a long tail. If rates keep going higher, does that mean buildings are going to keep emptying out? Apartment buildings that are being overbuilt, are they going to find refinancing? Are we going to have a little bit of crisis there? And now, kaboom, two big banks are, well, one for sure is shut down, one maybe, and so on and so forth. Is this a doom and gloom? Well, it always, these are all the real things that that are happening economically that say, eh, even if you're looking ahead, eh, even if you're looking at now, ugh, right? It's it's no time to be going out and mortgaging the farm and buying stocks. Okay, fair. Except when they go down, then you you, you got to come in, and so so that's why we're seeing this back and forth. Market pulls back, and then you see buying, and then Wall Street goes around going, uh, they must be thinking that the Fed's about to pull back. Yeah, that's the news. Boom! Let's tell everybody that's it. It's the Fed because everything is the Fed. The Fed is responsible for your headache last night. I know it was for mine. 
The feds are responsible for your happiness, your wellness. And the fact you met that sweet lady is all because of the fed. I know. It's just crazy. The fed does everything. It's everything. They feed me. I mean, it's just incredible. Everything is the fed every second of every day. It's just so remarkable. So what'd the market do? I don't know. The fed, whatever, fill in the blank. That's what it did. It's all because of the fed, which of course is absurd. Do interest rates have a lot to do with markets? Of course they do. They have to do things to do with the economy. The Fed's been wrong, but the market's been it just It's not everything. It's one little data thing. That's it. But we make it into everything, and we miss the big picture. Is the economy generally growing? Yes, it is. Actually, still is growing. Yeah, but we're heading to a recession. I can hear the yeah buts. Okay, fine. Put a yeah but. Let's just say Dave said, comma, but. Okay? <laughs> Why not? Why not just get entrenched in, you know, yes, but. Okay, that might be a truth, but. But here's all the negative in the whole wide world. Stacks up against it, so it makes it so that you don't ever have to change your opinion about anything. Markets reflect what we all collectively believe. That's what we forget. That's why the market pushes back and forth. There is bad news. There is lack of leadership. All of those things are true. These are real things in the world to be worried about. By the way, bank failures aren't. I'll I'll come back to that in a minute. They're not. It's just something that excites people. We get to talk about the Depression. And then, of course, the doomsday writers, they get to go. Oh, this is like it was like in 1929. No, it's not at all remotely like that. But you can scare old people into listening to you and buying newsletters and buying gold from you. So good, good on you. It works great. It works great. We're in an environment of this push back and forth, push, of stocks become too cheap because they are reflecting what we all already believe, that the world is upside down, it's backwards, we got JoJo in charge, and nobody thinks that's bringing any confidence. Everybody thinks we're heading to a recession. We can all argue about how deep it is, shallow, whatever it is. Those are all arguable points, and that earnings are coming down, but they all are known. Therefore, stock prices already reflect that. We forget this every time. Like, every time. Yeah, but... uh, I know. We all know. Why don't you tell me the sky is blue? Tell me something I know really well, but tell it in a great way, an excited way. Tell me more facts about how the sky is blue. We all know. And so stocks reflect that. So the idea that you have some kind of information because this week X happened is wrong. But that's normal, but totally normal, okay? So don't get me wrong. You are totally normal to fixate on what already transpired, meaning the news, facts that already happened. It's totally normal. It is totally wrong way about how stocks move. And that's why people are always like, Wow, I did. Or they think they're good when they're not because they ignore all the times they think the market's going to go up when it goes down and so on and so forth. We're very, very good at lying to ourselves about how good we are at predicting the future. We're super good at it. We just forget all the times that we're wrong, like dead wrong. So we miss it because stocks are already reflecting where collectively we all believe things are going. 
whether we actually express that or not, that's what we do. So if stocks reflect that, and they already reflect the fact that we think earnings are going to go down, and then they do, we are left with the news of the week, earnings are lower, but stocks went up? What? Huh? I didn't predict that. We don't remember that part. We just go, oh, the Fed must have fill in the blank. And so all of CNBC dances around making excuses for why they were actually correct about the Fed or whatever or earnings or whatever, because they, too, never seem to account for collectively we all set the prices of the market based on what we already think. So when the market does what we already think collectively, we all act weird that the bad news is has already been reflected and actually stock prices increase. That's the battle that's going on. And it's been going on for nine, ten months. Ever since the Fed went, whoops, we screwed up. Oh, my God. Yeah, this isn't transient at all. No, 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 no. My bad. And then they start predicting three rate increases and maybe six rate increases, and they're wrong. It's three a month, three quarter point moves per month to play catch up. The Fed isn't even remotely close to what they predicted, and they only deal with interest rates, and they're the people that do the interest rate thing, right? Can't get it right. So how good are you and I at predicting the future? Not good at all. But collectively, people price in what they think is going on. And that's the battle. Stocks already reflect not good news. Stocks already reflect maybe particularly bad news in a sector. Coupled with, it's not a surprise that interest rates are at 5%. That's real competition now. We were always going there. It's not news. Oh, I just opened up the paper. Look, honey, interest rates are high. We have alternatives to stocks. I guess we should do something about that. It's not news. It's been known for a long, long time. So picking it up and saying, well, like, you know, oh, well, here, here's a guy on CNBC. He says, wow, interest rates are higher and there's alternatives. Hmm, that's not good for stocks. It's already not been good for stocks. That combined with the fact that when stocks go down and they get cheap and people say, oh, my gosh, I can buy Google for this price? With all of the businesses they have? Are you serious? And they've been cutting costs, trying to right-size the company? Hmm. And they've been quite a, starting to act a little more normal, not wokish as much, right? Possibly. Sort of. Kind of. Things are changing. But the prices already reflect all that. That's the battle. So we keep seeing that. I think we'll see it next week, next month. Until, stay tuned. <laughs> it's, it'll change. It'll change. At some point, we will, we'll, you know, it'll all be digested. 
and we will be moving into a recession, and people will look on the other side of the recession and say, wow, good days are coming. I'm buying way before the good news actually comes. Al, hang on. i got to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll grab you on the other side. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-KIDO, Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. If you prefer email, let's go to Al. Al, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Yes, you know, I think we're uh, living in in troubled times here economically. And, you know, I don't particularly ascribe to the efficient market theory, Um, you know, because virtually everybody I talk to really doesn't even understand the most basic aspects of what debt does. Okay, debt causes lower prices. And why is that? Because what do you have attached with debt? Interest. So as this debt continually rises in a society, what happens is everybody gets saddled with more payments on the interest. And consequently, that causes a massive contraction in the country. Okay, so as the government prints more money, creates more debt, what you're really doing is you're causing a massive contraction in the country. And so when that happens, the government has only one option, and that is to print money, more debt, okay, which causes this terrible uh, negative uh, feedback. And, and so this is where I think we're at now because we look at unfunded liabilities and we see that we have, you know, according to a Ph.D. economist, Lawrence Kutlikoff, somewhere around 200 trillion. He said 225. I'll just go with 200 trillion in unfunded liabilities plus total debt in the United States is 95 trillion. So you're looking at 300 trillion dollars. Now, if you look Al, at you what, can hear the music. We got to go, buddy. Hurry. OK. Alrighty, brother. Well, hey, listen, uh, I think we ought to uh, go into short-term paper. That would be my uh, just general macroeconomic uh, uh, prediction. Got it. Thank what, you. What sh- Thank you. All right. Our number is 580-KIDO. You hear the music. We're going to take a break here for Fox News. We'll be back after that. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. It is 580-KIDO. That's our number here if you want to join us. It's also Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. I'll be getting to a couple of emails here uh, later today. Actually, one of them I might end up answering right off the bat because it's headed uh, SVB question, which is the banking one. I want to talk a little bit about that really at at the open. So we'll see if we actually get to that email at all. But I want to say this, too. I, I, I again, want to reiterate that these are not just my opinions, my opinions only, but, but we're not here to talk about what the market's going to do. I mean, if you've listened for any period of time, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think it'll fluctuate. That's, that's what I know. And I know in the, on the long run, it, it goes up 10% a year over all long periods of time, always has. I don't know if it always will, but it always has and it's always had people that said this time is different it won't it can't there's too much debt there's too much this there's too much that whatever it is because it's always easier to be negative always gosh it's it's it's, it's our human nature i don't know what to say it's like 
how many people do you think are optimistic? Not that many. I know most people think they are, but I bet you the people around them would say, not really. (laughs) He's really not optimistic. He's not. Life is tough. It is. There's just really hard things. Virtually every day, there's somebody that's not nice to you. There's somebody maybe in your family. There's a constant reminder that there's a a rift in your family. Or, 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 Or something is really wrong. You're sick. You're hurt. You're ache. You're pain. You're blah, blah, blah. And then we die. What's that? It's hard is what it is. It's hard. But when it comes to investments and things, it just seems interesting to me that we can't simply accept the simple fact that if the world continues to grow, and it always has over any reasonable amount of time, sure, we have recessions, even really big recessions. Yes, we have had wars. We've had all kinds of problems. We've had inflationary spikes, debt problems, on and on. And then the market goes up 10% a year all over your life on average. Never at 10. It, it never does 10. It does 20, and then it does minus 6, and then it does minus 20 to really tick you off. But, but it works. Like, and you don't do anything. You don't have to create anything. You just have to leave it alone. And, and, and it becomes this war of hanging on to something that has an unbelievably good history that we don't have to guess at, but we do. So we're not here to guess what the market's going to do this week. We're not here to wonder what the market, what do you think about the market? I think the market fluctuates. I think the market reflects collectively what we all think is coming, not what's happened. And that's a tough kind of a split. Do Well, what do you think interest rates are going to do? I don't know. The Federal Reserve hasn't been even close. They've been off by a magnitude that's unbelievable. Nobody could nobody could be that bad. But they were. So why do I think I'm going to guess what interest rates are going to do precisely? And what does it matter? How much more they're going to go up? When are they going to back off? Why do I have to get that right? You don't. We don't. We can't and we don't need to. When prices go down, buy. When they come back up, if you need some money, you can trim them. We don't have to guess what the economy is doing, what interest rates are going to do, what the Fed's going to do next. But we dig and dig and dig and dig. So if you tuned in for that, that's sorry. We don't have that. And I also don't have an equity indexed annuity to pimp to you. Sorry. We've looked at them. Being fiduciaries, we're not allowed to do that. But at the same time, we actually do have some availability if we wanted to do that. But I do like to sleep at night. I do. And it would be really, really hard if I pimped those to sleep at night. So we don't have that either. I don't have a guaranteed whatever or your super safe money. If you want that, why don't you put it in treasuries? They're yielding over five today. 
over five. We actually have and are in our income portfolios adding more and more and more bonds. Why? Why would we do that? But you're a stock guy. We were for 12 years. We don't live in a world where we're just sitting there going, I don't care what happens. We only like this. We're looking at the whole environment. And for the first time in 15 years, you can have a piece of your money sitting in bonds. A piece. Here's the problem with people. It's all or none. Are stocks good? Then I want all those. What about tech stocks? Let's get all tech. Because it's better than like the stupid, you know, like Dow Chemical. Okay. All or none. Market's bad. Got to go to cash. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't do that. We don't have to be all one way or another. I had a fascinating conversation yesterday. I thought it was interesting anyway. I think we both did. But kind of stumbled through this on, you know, you don't, what you don't want to do with investing is you don't want to be 100% wrong. You see, you're never going to be 100% right. Now, human nature is, I want to be right, and so I'm going to think about it, think about it, think about it, never pull the trigger because you can't be 100% right. Now, what I mean by that also is then this propensity we have of moving 100% of our cash into stocks because we like them. Or 100% of it out. Or 100% into bonds or whatever it is. We make these big calls as if that, we, and we got to be 100% right. So if I go buy a stock, here's the trick. Or, or stocks in general. Like, I, 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 for example, right now, I think real estate, especially publicly traded real estate, meaning stocks in, on real estate, unbelievable cheap. I mean, I'll just say that. An unbelievable cheap. Relative to the private value on the streets. Very rare opportunities. Doesn't mean both don't come down. But relatively, you rarely have this kind of opportunity to buy on the public market real estate that sells for substantially below what it does if you were to just transact a sale. Way below. Very rare. Because it's highly liquid, obviously. I don't want it anymore. I sell it tomorrow at the the open. Okay? uh, Open of the exchange. So that is a very rare opportunity. So do I take all of my money and I put it in? No, of course not. But 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 let's say I wanted to put in a position of $100,000 in, in that, in a portfolio. I want to put 100000 towards that. Is there a problem with saying, I want to buy 25000 now? And then if it goes lower, I can buy another twenty five or fifty. And then if it goes lower again, I can finish off the buy. There's only one problem. If it goes up, I'm wrong. See, in other words, I can't always be 100% right. I'm not going to pick the bottom. So saying I am going to fight the human urge to say, oh, if I put it all in now, then I'm an idiot because it goes lower tomorrow, which it does, and it will, and that's the way it is. You don't get the low price. So you nibble at it so that you're never 100% wrong. See? You get to keep adding to it. And if it does go up that day and you happen to be the one person that had the lower trade, it never really went down much before, you know, after that or at all, you have some in. So you're not like 100% wrong. 
It's the same strategy with all of it. We feel so stupid for things we can't even know. Well, why would I set myself up for that? So it's important to diversify and not be 100% wrong on anything. That's how you stay alive, right? That's how you stay alive. You have to be, oh, I only buy gold because, well, I don't know why you would, but okay. I'm not going to make fun of you. It's, it's your life. There's nothing statistical that makes sense about that, but it's your life. You want to dig around and figure out why the world is ending? How about it? It's your life. It's your time. I don't want to. All my life, the market's gone up 10%. All my dad's life, 10%. My grandpa, God rest his soul, 10%. My kids, 10%. All right. Kind of works. Okay. Let's roll. And I'm going to roll to this. What's gone on with the banks? Are we going to have a bank run? So let's talk about that because I'm sure you're reading about it. I'm sure you're going to read about how this is going to be just the tip of the iceberg. Isn't that the way we all like to phrase everything? It's an exponential threat. That's a good overused word. Lack of transparency. Good word. Good word. Kind of want to poke myself in the eye whenever I hear that. Tip of the iceberg. Perfect. You don't have to define anything when you say that. Nothing. You don't have to be predictive at all. You were never wrong. But you're always right. If, if things do get worse... By whatever magnitude, like nothing, like it's really no big deal. Two more banks, six more banks, a hundred banks. You're right. Tip of the iceberg. Didn't see it coming. Yeah, you do. The problem is, and here's the point, you don't have to be right about any of that. I'm just going to tell you this. There is not a banking crisis happening. The banks are flush. Period. Are all banks flush? No. Are all corporations flush? No. No, they're not. But generally speaking, corporations are flush with cash. Very low debt. Debt crisis? Nope. 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 But when interest rates go up this fast, and this has been... Here's another overused word, especially now. Right? We talk about this stuff like it's never happened before. Ever. Ever. Right? It's all brand new. It's never been tried before. Yeah, it has. But on this level, I will say we have never, ever borrowed so much money so quickly, thrown it at the economy so fast, driven interest rates under the idea you could go to zero, a bunch of arrogant fools, and not have any repercussions from that. Because it worked for a while. And then it didn't. This is unprecedented, to use the overused word. Unprecedented. And it is, to a degree. But it's not unprecedented when we break the pieces and parts apart. Stupid policies have been done many, many times, and we keep repeating the same mistakes because nobody studies history, or they think in their arrogance of being smarter than everybody else, which is typically academia. They're really good at that. They're smarter than everyone. 
that they can figure out a way around it. Pull back the punch bowl just in time. And then boom. What do we have? We have an inflationary environment, a difficult environment to navigate. It's tough. And then banks run by super smart people. Corporations run by super smart people. But are they all run by super smart people? No. No. So the fact that uh, the banks collectively have never been in a more solvent, liquid position is a fact. A fact that doesn't matter to Silicon Valley Bank and others who decided that the best way to put their cash to work, all that cash sitting on their balance sheet at zero, was to buy treasuries yielding 1%. Oops. Those treasuries are now yielding 5 or 4, depending on the duration, and are worth a lot less. So when people want to take their cash out and allocate it from zero interest into 5%, say, somewhere else, Their collateral is gone, and now they have bonds sitting there that are worth a lot less and have to take billions in losses. Overleverage in any form can be destructive, and it is. But it's not systemic. It's not. It simply is not. So you'll hear about more. It'll be talked about a lot. And there'll be people that are really scrambling, little corporations where their money's tied up. I imagine the FDIC will get there pretty quickly and get some things going so that businesses don't collapse because of a liquidity crisis, like their checking account is locked up. But people that have more than 250000 which is a lot of people, they've got issues. It'll take a while to liquidate everything and see what the losses are on one bank. There are thousands. There'll be a lot written about it because it's exciting, scary. This is how we're going to sell people on whatever it is, some guaranteed product somewhere, equity index annuity or something, because it's just too scary. You know, I don't even know. The bank's going to fold any second now. If we want to scare people, it's easy to do. Most people really don't understand the financial markets anyway. And they're all based on faith, and they are. We have to trust institutions that we don't trust anyway, naturally. We have to believe that the dollar has value or the lira or the pretty brick or the chickens or the stones or whatever it is that people trade or traded historically. There has to be uh, some sense that this has worth when I take it from you to then go buy food from somebody else and give it to somebody else. Yeah, it's tenuous, as life is. It's the way it is. But I just want to say, it's just easy to scare people. So, so you read an article about how the banks are going to fold. Stop it. Just stop it. Why? Just no. It's just, it's just want to scare you. It's low-hanging fruit. You want to scare people? Fine. You trip over scary things. You want to elevate people? 
elevate this country? How many Ronald Reagans do we have? Have we had? How many people? We got to do this, little guy. Got to stop that. Yelling, screaming, not elevating. They're a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. It's politics today. People that have real belief in people, in our country, and our future. It's limited. So what does it have to do with finance? Everything. People that believe in the markets versus people that scare people into products. Big difference. Markets work. Don't worry about it. You don't need it. You just don't need to worry your pretty little head about it. It doesn't mean you bury your head in the sand, but you got to be careful of the inputs. We all do. It's natural to gravitate. I mean, if the airplane's going down, what do people usually do? Calm down. Calm down. I got this. It's, gonna, it's, it's a little rough right now, but we're going to get through this. No, most people start screaming like because that's effective. We can come to lots of good thought and, and, and think about our futures really well screaming and being scared. No, got to be cool-headed. And if we get into those things, we start questioning everything else. It's not putting your head in the sand. It's not opening the door to stupid stuff that makes you do stupid stuff. That's what it is. All right. I got to take a break. Our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. And uh, it's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. 580-5436, 580-KIDO. You know, it's interesting, real, real quick, before I dive into uh, a couple emails here. Um, it's just interesting to me. how I, I A little self-reflection here. I, I, I've been doing this a long, long time. And, and I've come to realize so often that when I'm talking about things and I'm just kind of, you know, I, 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 okay, a little disclosure here. I, I, I have a couple ideas coming into the studio about what I might want to talk about. There's a couple things that it, for, for, you know, in some weeks like this week, there's definitely, you know, I got to talk about the Silicon Valley bank and, you know, I mean, there's, there's stuff that's there. Right. But, but stuff just kind of comes out. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like a therapy thing almost. It just kind of comes out. And I realize sometimes that when I just stop and I go, you know, God, this is, I, I need to hear this stuff all the time. I talk about this when I'm talking about basics, how, how fun it is to talk about, but it's also because it re-solidifies all these things that are so true that I learned decades ago from John Templeton. You can still learn now because his readings and his writings are all over the place. And the great money managers and, and, and all the basics of like, this is insane that we spend all this time. If this thing go, grows by 10% a year for your entire life, end of story. Quit worrying about it. Quit thinking about it. And, and, and trying to be optimistic. And, and, and we all have the same things. I do. I got stuff that happens in my life. Stuff that is distracting. Stuff, stuff that I don't really want to do. Stuff I have to tell people. I don't want to tell them. You know, I don't, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to be mean. I'm not being mean, but I, I got I to deal with this thing, right? We all do. And some days we don't roll out of bed and we're optimistic. And it's just, but it's good 
to share this with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being my therapist. All right. Let's talk about this. Now, I, I, uh, first of all, uh, Mike, uh, thank you for listening all the time. Man, I can't even imagine, uh, honestly, how tough it is to take care of those cows right now uh, with the cold weather this winter. Wow. Wow. God bless you, man. That's a, that's a job. I just, I, you know, just can't even imagine slogging through the mud day after day and, and the cold and trying to keep those cows alive. So thank you for that. The answer is this. Here's the question. So I heard under the, um, the new whatever act it was, I'm sorry, I can't think of it right now, but uh, the, the, the stuff they threw in the bill at the last, the 1,000-page the, the bill that nobody read, and we passed at the end of December, okay? And now we're figuring out what's in it. Okay, well, there was some retirement stuff in there that allows for a SEP or a simple, simple IRA, SEP. These are two very often used small business retirement plans can now, for the first time, have Roth IRA options. Big change. Big change. So the answer is yes, you can and should consider. Always. Consider what the tax ramifications are, what you're trying to do with the money long-term, if you have a Roth option available. So absolutely. And to answer the second part of that question, absolutely, we should look at that. Okay? So, but I thought that was such a good one. I really wanted to, you know, that wasn't personal. That's for everybody. We all need to recognize that the, the when they change the rules in such a profound way, that these are options we need to be uh, looking at right now to be putting money away tax that will grow forever tax-free, okay? Just a huge, huge difference for us, okay? And then, Mark, I I, I thought I answered most of the the question on uh, the bank failure, but it's but but you but I didn't, did I? And and if I don't make it clear, you need to call or shoot me another uh, email, okay? But Mark asks about uh, why in the world uh, Silicon Valley Bank lacked liquidity. When the the news is they had a whole bunch of treasuries, interestingly, I use the same example, earning 1%. And then they had liquidity issues. Well, they do have liquidity issues, and, and you're, you're right, but your example is a one-year treasury. They didn't have just one-year treasuries. They had longer-dated treasuries, 10-year. So if you have loans out that don't come due for five years, you have bonds that don't come due for 10 years, maybe you can sell those. But if interest rates have risen, you're going to get a lot less for them. Now, treasuries are highly liquid, so it's it's going to be a reflective exactly of interest rates. But in your example where you say if they bought a $100 uh, treasury today, they could earn 105 in a year. That's a true statement, okay? Why wouldn't inve- investors pay $94 to get 101 In other words, just a little 6% drop, right? That's really your point. And it's a correct point on a one-year treasury, but it's not correct on a two-year, three-year, five-year. You get it because that amount of difference adds up every single year. So it's a bigger discount. But the problem is they need the money today. Are those treasuries, when they mature, worth 100 Absolutely they are. Okay? But they need the money today to match the balance sheet. So liquidity is going to take them out even though they have the capital to cover it. That's what's going to happen. They are absolutely gone for sure. So at any rate, 
Mark, thank you. Hopefully that answers it. And I know bonds are so complicated. We'll come back to this again, but don't hesitate to give me a call. We've got to take a break for Fox News. Your call's on the other side, 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. 580-KIDO is our number, 580-5436, 580-KIDO. And uh, it's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net if you do want to send us an email. All right, let's go ahead and go to the phones. Let's go to Terry. Terry, good morning. Good morning, Professor. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You can probably tell I'm feeling pretty chipper today. Uh, well, yeah, after all that time down there with the, the Hoy Foloys in Palm Springs and get your golf game back together. Right. Right. <laughs> if it had been for the snow, I might have a better golf game coming back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought you'd covered it well with uh, the Silicon Valley Bank, but... Then you had to go and talk about it again and got me thinking. Yeah. And yeah. I it's it's dangerous thing here. Yeah. But you and you and Kevin had talked about how government doesn't do anything well. Yeah. And and recently didn't they take off the reserve requirements on the banks? No. No, they didn't. Or that not. they lowered them or something. No, what they've done is that the the stress tests have actually gotten harder and harder as we've left uh, to the 2008 financial crisis. And where you're seeing some of the restrictions removed is on the smaller regional banks, which this is, would be considered one of. It's a pretty big bank, 16th in the country, I believe. and right. um, But the smaller and regional banks with some of the legal requirements they had not not really reserve requirements but the the um uh, some of the other requirements of of complying that made it impossible for them to afford it if you will big banks can hire just another couple of attorneys no big deal when new regulations come small banks can't it just kills them it kills their profitability and small banks are the ones that are actually lending to the guy that's trying to build the apartment complex down the street, right? It's right. it's not the big banks. You don't go to J.P. Morgan because you want to borrow a couple million dollars. You go to them because you want to borrow twenty five million and up, right? So that that's a di- a big difference, uh, and they didn't want to hurt the community banks. So I am not. I'm going to just say this honestly and sincerely. If there's some re- uh, regulations out there that I was not aware of that were eased up, other than what I just talked about. Uh, that, that please co- correct me. I mean that. But and if you know Terry, feel free. But the reserve requirements were not taken off. They're they've been very very severe, especially since two thousand and eight. Uh, but then again, well, it, it, it should have worked. Uh, again, I go back. The fractional reserve is a fraud anyway to start with. But that's a, a bigger thing. They 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 play the game with you guys with money can do that. Uh, well, Terry, you're right. You know, you can't you can't reserve all of it, and that's why we have. And I'm not, I'm not saying you don't. That I, look, I I do firmly believe and stand by the fact that government does little, if anything, well. Okay, it, it, because whenever government picks winners and losers, it then becomes corrupt. It automatically corrupts the system, and and corruption is not a, a good way to do business. It never is. It's very corrosive, and 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 so. Uh, but but part of that then is an explanation that of course we have to have rules, of course we do, and those rules need to be within reason, 
not tweaked about like politicians like to, not like lobbyists like to do this, this, and this. I wish that none of that was, was true. But we have to have regulations when you're holding other people's money, and banking regulations is one area. What I don't want to see is overreach by the government. And they did in 2008. Some of those rules have been bettered since, but they've not been lax for that. But what it does create is a system where you can't lend out in a system and have enough, 100% enough deposits there to cover all of that. So there's always a potential of a run on a bank in, in any system. What they're trying to do is say it really could rarely happen. In this case, because interest rates went up so much, the bonds that they were holding, which is considered to be legitimate collateral, just didn't hold their value enough for that to offset when people got nervous about it. Um, and then they pulled all of their deposits out. They were they were dead. Yeah. yeah I, uh, again, I'm, I'm 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 old school enough that I want to go back in history, back when the bank did have to have collateral. I mean, they they owned the collateral enough on the loans. Wild wild west days. If you gave the money bank your money. You knew there was a risk, but you were doing it to get a reward. Mm-hmm. And if the bank failed or the banker ran off with your money, there's a lesson in that. And we'll start all over again. Uh, the the guarantees that everybody's won. I, I, I guess it comes down to the woke panty waste people that need a guarantee that I have to have my investment absolutely guaranteed and safe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, there's risk. There's Expect risk in everything. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you you learn early in my field, right? You learn different things, um, and, and I always go back. Like I say, you know, this is, maybe this is an age thing, but I go back to this old um, illustration we used to use of, of 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 basically you have a pitcher of orange juice, and you've got four glasses over here. You can't fill them all up, and one of those glasses is safety. One of those glasses is liquidity. One of those glasses is returns. One of those glasses is inflation. And you look at it and you go, I can't, I can't hedge against inflation. I can't do that. I, I, oh, well, I want more of that. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I'm out of orange juice. Yeah. It, you know, you, we have to pick our poison, if you will, because there is no perfect investment. And we forget that. Well, I'm happy with five. Are you going to be happy with five forever if inflation stays at seven? No. No, you won't. You know, no. things will reprice, but you're not going to be happy losing a little bit of money every year, before taxes even. Losing a lot of money after taxes every year is not a strategy. It is not a strategy. So we, as we go, and are we going to be happy with one-year treasuries when interest rates come back down? Maybe we should have got the 4% 10-year. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not saying right. you should, but these are all questions you have to say. More oh, yeah. risk, longer range return, more safety, less money over here for returns. All of those things are true, and we forget that. There's no perfect investment. I, 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 do you have an extra copy? I can't find mine of the, the American Funds brochure of Louis the Loser. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> That's my favorite one. I have talked about that one for thirty years. No joke. I really have. I I yeah. did. Do you remember That's back? That's the kind of thing yeah. that you that you need to look at and, and to keep in mind. Uh, okay, I could get rolled over in this, but hey, I can make a lot of money over time too. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Louis the Loser is a great one. I that's got to be still around. It's so classic. Um, I think it is. I think it's in their ICA guide. Actually, I'm trying to thumb for it right now. There he is. Oh, okay. I found him. I, like I said, I couldn't find mine the other day when I wanted. I was thinking about you know what to talk to you about. But, yep. Uh, Louis the Loser. There he is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Louis the Loser. Uh, maybe if I got time today, we'll talk about it. But I I doubt it. But I'll keep him out for another time. It's in the ICA guide. So uh, give our office a call if you want one. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be in on the 16th. So perfect. Good. All right. We'll see you then. All right. Well, you have a good day, sir, and thank you. Do the same. Thanks, Terry. All right. Bye. Bye. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Let's go to Gary. Gary, thanks for calling. Calling? Calling? <laughs> good morning, Dave. Good morning. Uh, earlier, earlier in your program, you had mentioned um, real estate being on sale in the market. Were you referring to real estate investment trusts? Uh, yes, publicly traded ones, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I like stock. Your, uh, They're just like stocks. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying is, and this is a basic one right now. And I, again, we're not here for stock tips, sector tips, or anything like that. What I'm saying is, I have a. I'm trying to give a real time example of something I think is a, an incredible value, but I want to leave the door open to keep adding as the market tells me it's an even better value you idiot for buying. Okay. So, so, cause that's, what's going to happen. So, so, so what I'm doing is, is saying that, but what I want to try to do is define this because I'm not saying what real estate prices are going to do. What I am going to say is that if you have a highly liquid real estate investment that you can unload in a second at no price or no cost, or you have a, a building you want to sell right now, and you may or may not be able to sell it for the next six months, that's a liquidity issue. That's worth should be worth a lot less than something that is highly liquid. Second of all, cost you ten percent to sell. Now that is a big deal when we can get the publicly traded, instantly liquid one at as much as fifteen twenty percent below the price. That's the time you typically you have always been rewarded to back up the truck on. Okay. Okay, I like your uh, orange juice analogy. When I was uh, designing electronic equipment, we would tell the boss they um, they could have it fast, they could have it cheap, they could have it good. Pick any two. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks, Dave. Gary, thank you. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thanks for the call. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, we got to take our final break, and it's 580-5436-580-KIDO. Plenty of time after after the break to take your calls. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and once again, thanks for joining us. If you have any comments or questions, just shoot those over to PetsoFinancial.com. We also have calculators and articles as well as uh, email. If you just have a question, we try to answer those. Uh, you know, if it's a question, we can answer to you if it's personal. If it's one you want for the show, same thing, okay? Also, it's Dave at PetzoFinancial.net comes direct. So there you go. Uh, don't forget about our podcast. We have uh, apparently got 40,000 um, listens. That's sounds like a lot to me. I know it's not, you know, Joe Rogan or something, but that's a lot of folks out there, not all in the Boise Valley. And so for those of you in the outlying areas, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And if you ever have any questions or comments, you know, I just love to hear from you as well. You know, just, hey, how'd you come across our podcast in the first place? And for those of you who are overseas in military, which I think is a bunch of them, um, God bless you and keep you safe. All right. As I said, our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. 
if you have a question. Now, here's again, this is very interesting. ESG, okay, that's the you know woke uh, deal, right? For employers, this is how, how do you do your investing? I make sure that the companies are green and I won't buy energy companies, stuff like that. Okay, right? I mean, that's just a broad thing, but it's worse than that. It's horribly worse than that. I want to make sure that they hire trans people and you know, like they're like anybody can discriminate against them anyway. But the point is, is they don't only hire them. There's a really high percentage, okay, of minorities, women, and there's boards are not the best people by any stretch. It's just they check all the boxes, okay? That's ESG. Now, you think I'm making fun of it, but uh, but the reality is I thought business was there to actually try to be profitable. Nothing more Let society take care of itself. And the answer is, yeah, that's exactly what it's there for. But this ESG thing, how do you get tailwinds when it's uh, – tailwinds from stupid, you pretend that this is a really, really brilliant way to invest. That's what you do. You slice and dice numbers and say, look, if these companies are environmentally aware, then what you end up with is a super duper profitable company. No, you don't. And so if you slice and dice things just right, that's what you wind up with. It hasn't worked out that way, and the numbers are coming out. And the companies that are pro, you know, promoting this, well, we're going to vote for this and this and this with your investment dollars, like BlackRock, have really gotten into a lot of hot water and are being sued, as a matter of fact. So a lot of hot water for those companies, and then now the news is coming out. It doesn't work. It doesn't work as well as just figuring out how to make money and then support whatever causes you want. But most of all, I just want you to go make money at whatever widgets you make, oil you drill, whatever it is. Don't get woke. Go make money. It works better than not. Good to know. Those are the facts of ESG. Look forward to talking with you next week. I hope you have a wonderful week, and thank you so much for tuning in.